Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. I've loved this text since I was a little boy. I just love the way it, it rolls off the tongue, the way it just fills the room with hopefulness and, and joy. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the kind of word that you want to hear in, in difficult times, in times of stress and, and trial and tribulation. It's a reminder that even though we can't see the future, God promises that the future is already here, that God's love is already available and present to us. I'll never forget the time that I woke up in Atlanta following a terrible tornado. I was a pastor there at Sandy Springs Christian Church. I got on the phone and called leaders in the congregation and some of the staff to see if we knew of anyone in our church who may have been, experienced some damage or been hurt in the terrible storm. It was one of the largest tornadoes ever in the history of that, of that state. Sure enough, there were two couples in the congregation who had experienced severe damage. One of them was Frank and Betty Jean, an older couple in their 70s. Another one was a couple who'd just gotten married three months before and bought their very first house. They'd also experienced severe damage. Well, I, I got a call just before I left to go see these, these couples. I, they, were, they were not hurt, but their, their homes were terribly damaged. I got a call from the, the office of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ and from their emergency relief office asking if we'd had anyone in the congregation who'd experienced a loss. I said, yes, I was just on my way to go see them. They said, we're wiring money to your church's bank account. Go and get cash and take that to them. Oftentimes, what people need in a disaster is cash in their hands. Tell them that it comes with no strings attached. They can buy food. They can go out to dinner. Whatever they need in the moment, please do that. I went to the bank. Sure enough, there was $1,000, 500 for each couple. Again, not enough to cover all their costs and, and concerns, but enough to say, your church is here. We want to stand with you and help you. Here's some money for some basic needs. Well, I drove to Frank and Betty Jean's first. Have, have you ever seen the aftermath of a tornado? It's both fascinating and frightening. A house completely destroyed here and across the street, another house that didn't look like it had even been in a storm. When I got closer to their home, I had to park my car. There were so many trees blocking the road. They were not letting cars go any further in or out. I had to walk about a quarter of a mile to their, to their home. I got to the house and there was Frank standing out front looking at what had been his house before. A tree, one of those big Georgia pines had blown down and had cut almost right about one third of the house and blown it apart. The stairs to their upstairs bedroom were exposed. The bedroom itself was gone. Frank turned around and saw me and he began to weep. His wife, Betty Jean, came from the other side of the house where she'd been inspecting the damage. She saw me, came over and gave me a hug and the three of us stood there and cried. Now Frank and Betty Jean were from Alabama. They both had this, this marvelous, wonderful southern accent. It took them about three hours to say three sentences sometimes. And Betty Jean said, oh, Glenn, uh, I don't even know where to begin. We had just gone down those stairs, left our bedroom, and gotten into a central hallway when that tree came crashing through. It's so amazing that we're alive. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. I, I reached inside my pocket and to stop the tears and the crying. I said, well, yeah, I do have something for you. The, the denomination called, they, they wired some cash. I have $500. Another family in our church has experienced some damage too. And I've got $500 for them. This is just a way of saying, here's, go buy some food, get some dinner. And, and Frank, Frank and Betty Jean, they're so sweet, so amazing. 
Frank said, now, Glenn, I, I don't want to be rude, but our family's already been by. We've already had food. We're going to stay with our children tonight. They're going to keep us in their, in their guest room. We're going to be fine. The insurance company, in fact, came by just a little bit ago. All the coverage is going to take, take care of everything, all the damage. We're going to be fine. Why don't you take that other 500 and give it to the other couple? Could, could you do that? I said, I'd be happy to do that, Frank. They just got married three months ago. I hear their house is pretty severe, severely damaged, too. He said, please, if you would, would you just take it to them? And then Betty Jean, in that marvelous, that marvelous tone, said, Glenn, you know, you know I grew up in the church memorizing the Bible, and I remember that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. I believe that God has already taken care of us. I believe that we're going to get through this storm and get to the other side. I know it's real. I know it's true. Frank and Betty Jean's story is one of generosity centered and based in faith. They believe what they cannot see. Sometimes the faith, that kind of faith, is what the church needs more than anything else. Today we're beginning our, our stewardship campaign titled Faith, Hope, and Love, Building Community One Gift at a Time. And it really demonstrates that many gifts, the many gifts that we've already received, many gifts that we will continue to receive, are based like Frank and Betty Jean's in faith. Faith in God and hope in the future, a future that cannot be seen. I wish, you, I wish though you could have been in my office this week. I wish you could have been a fly in the wall as I met with leaders of our congregation, as I met with members of our staff to talk about where we are and where we're going and what's going to happen next. And are there concerns? Yes. Are there worries? Of course there are. Are there things that we've got to, to work our way through and so we can get to the other side? Absolutely. But it's, it's so exciting to see what God can do when God's people stand together in faith. Together with our, our leadership and our staff, we are, we are able to move in what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. I, I, love, I love that phrase. Did you hear that? A long obedience in the same direction. In other words, faith is about moving forward, even when we cannot clearly see as well as we'd like to. I love Frank and, and Betty Jean's story and the way it points towards the great generosity of their church and the way it, it points toward the great generosity of, of ours. It reminds me of something else that is written in the book of Hebrews where the author says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And he names some of them, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, these great witnesses who've gone on before us. And the same thing is true here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You know, that would fit nicely on a poster, wouldn't it? Maybe you could put it in your garage and see it every day as you come and go driving your car. Or maybe you could put it on, the, on your mirror in your, in your bathroom or put it as a, as a screensaver on your computer or maybe a bumper sticker for your car. It's a positive word, a nice word. And oftentimes, though, I hear from people that that's all they really ever want to hear. Don't, don't get into much of the serious stuff. Just keep us on the surface. We, we, want a, we want a good word on a Sunday morning, a, a feel-good sermon, one that has lots of optimism and, and all, but, but don't, don't get too serious. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I've preached some feel-good sermons. I've preached some sermons where I just want people to laugh, maybe cry a little bit and feel real good walking out the door. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if that's all we ever do, if all we ever do is start with dessert and end there, at some point you're going to wake up and say, I'd like some chicken and broccoli, please, just a little bit of protein, maybe a vegetable or two. I've got, in fact, I've got a friend, a good friend. His name is, well, his, his name, I'll call him Daniel. That's not his real name. He's a preacher out on the West Coast. 
in Los Angeles. He's good. He's a great pastor, a terrific preacher. He used to be in a church on the East Coast. In that congregation, they, they actually sat down with him, the leadership of the church did, and they said, We'd like, we would like 12-minute sermons and at least two funny jokes. I, you know, two, two funny jokes, that pretty much takes care of the 12 minutes. Now you can just sit down and, and go on home. It, they never quite meshed exactly with, with what they wanted. You see, a, 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 faith, a faith that's built on a diet of Twinkies may taste good in the moment, but in the long run, is that all we want? You see, this text, this text was written to a church that has lost its amen. It's written to a congregation that is tired of religion. Not tired of God, tired of religion. They're not hoping for anything at all. They don't believe in much of anything seen or unseen. They no longer have a hallelujah. Their worship is bland. They're tired of Sunday school. They're tired of prayer meetings. They're, they're tired of youth groups and mission trips. And they have no long-range vision. They have no visioning committee. They're not doing any of that. They're just fed up with religion and they're ready for something new. But instead of preaching a 12-minute sermon with a couple of jokes to make everybody feel good, this author to the Hebrews writes to the Hebrews church at the deepest level. Oh, this text we heard sounds beautiful, but it's actually an invitation to dive deep into those places where we are confronted not so much with evil, but more with ourselves and with God. Faith is the conviction of things unseen things unseen. Sometimes it's in the darkness where we discover the truth of who we are. Church is to be the place where we invite people to discover a new life, a new life in God. And herein lies the problem. Far too many preachers like the 12 minutes and two joke sermons. Far too many preachers will wake up on Monday morning and the first question they're going to ask about the church is, do you know what it is? How much was in the, it was in the plate? What was the offering? The questions we need to ask on, on Monday morning are, was the spirit present? Was God there? Did we feel it in the solo by Donna Lynn? Did we hear it in the invitation from Scott? Was there something about the way Jim led us in prayer that made us feel as though God was present even in this place? Those are the questions we need to constantly ask ourselves. Did we move toward that place where it feels like God is there? Where is it? Where is the spirit? A faith worth having is a faith that's worth diving down deep to investigate. There's a book titled Deep Down Dark by Hector Tobar. He tells the story of the 33 Chilean miners who were buried underground in a, in a collapsed mine for 69 days. Do you remember this story? They had very little food, very little water, almost complete darkness every day, all day for more than two months. After a few days, some of the men said to one of the men, among them who was the most religious, the most ardent of his faith, would you pray for us? Would you preach for us? He said, I, I will. And he began by praying, thank you, God, for being among us here in this dark place. Let us know that your presence is here even though we are frightened, even though we are scared beyond death itself. But then he began to pray, and we confess our sin. Hector, he named Hector. Hector was one of the men. Hector drinks too much. He named another one of the men. Jose has been cruel to his family. 
He went through the prayers. Now, you might think that the men would have been, would have been uh, upset or angry by this, by this prayer, but instead, no, they were united in the darkness. They were united in their fear. They were united in the confrontation of seeing themselves for who they really are. Every day they prayed like this. After a while, the men themselves began to confess their sins, not only to God, but to each other. Hector said one day to, the, to another man, I'm so sorry in the way I've treated you. I've been rude and arrogant in the way I've acted towards you here in the mine, and I apologize. They prayed back and forth and confessed back and forth like that for two months until the best day and the worst day. A hole was cut at the top. Food and water were dropped down, thank God. They also sent down iPads so the men could catch up with the world and see what was going on, so they could share messages back and, back and forth. And this is when the bad part happened. They began to dream. They began to see that they were famous. They began to dream of their fame. They began to think about the money they were going to get and the potential opportunities they could use to exploit their experience. And, and all of a sudden, what happened? The confessing, the praying, the intimacy, the closeness that they'd experienced was gone. The Christian religion at its best helps us discover the true meaning of faith and how to live with hope. We get a little confused about this sometimes, so some, sometimes we think that, 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 faith is about, that faith is about having all the answers. Really, the opposite is true. What those men discovered in the dark was it wasn't about the answers. It was a willingness to face ourselves. But we think somehow, oh, if we, just, if we just could get the answers. In fact, I was taught in the churches I grew up in, in youth group especially, don't bring questions, don't ask questions. You might lose your faith. Well, if asking a question causes me to lose my faith, what kind of a faith is that? And do I want that same faith? But we get, we get guarded. We get protective. Sometimes... We're so afraid of being broken or hurt or damaged in, minor, in matters of life and love and faith that we never exercise it. We never let our love or our faith be expressed or seen or experienced. It reminds me of a story I read last week about a man who owned a, red, a little red flyer wagon. Remember those little red flyer wagons that, that you, you could pull anything behind you in? play with. All of his friends got one for Christmas. He got one too when he was a little boy, but he didn't like that, it, that playing with the, with the toy might mess it up a little bit, so he kept it in his closet all those years. His other friends outside were using their little red wagons or red flyer to carry bricks or dirt or friends or puppies or kittens or whatever they could get in there and drag around. They were getting broken and beaten up, and not this man. He kept it in his closet. He kept it in there forever, and then one day when he turned 80, he realized that he still had that little red wagon, and he called the museum. They said, would you like this? And they said, we would love it. Is it in good condition? It's in pristine condition. He had a toy that the years turned into a museum piece. Antonio Portia, the poet, says, every toy has the right to be broken. If your faith and your heart are broken, it's an opportunity for something new to be created, for something new to be given. It's Portia, the poet, who also says that it's when the heart is broken that love finally emerges. Love is made real. Faith is not about avoiding the hard questions or in need of a defense. No, faith is not certainty. In fact, the opposite of, of faith is not doubt, according to Anne Lamott. The opposite of faith is certainty. We know this to be true in our guts. That's why when the Bible speaks about this, when the poet speaks about it, or we encounter it in literature, we know the truth 
of what we're hearing. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote, we walk by faith, not by sight. It was the little prince who proclaims, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. In the novel, The Country Priest, the dying priest is waiting for another priest from the village far away to come and give him the last rites before he dies. His friend is so anxious that the priest is not going to, is not going to be, receive those rites. He's, fear, he's fearful and worried. Finally, the, the dying priest says, does it matter? Look around. Look around. Grace is everywhere. Why do we know this? Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things unseen. Let that faith be real, even now. Amen.